From Swoop, it's Take the Plunge, a podcast of how, how business owners decided to stop what they were doing and took the plunge to start their own businesses. We take a look at how they came to that decision and what those first crucial steps were in getting their businesses up and running. My name's Kieran, and I'll be your host for this episode. Here's what you can expect on today's episode. I believe in working smart. Like, I don't think your work should be taking 100% of your time, in mm-hmm. popular opinion. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Ari Philly Guneri, founder of The Z-Link. The Z-Link are a new social media marketing business led by Gen Z, also known as the i-Generation. Immersed in digital culture from a very young age, they use their skills and experience to bring your business all the value that it could be reaching online. With a speciality in social media marketing, they help you successfully market to your target audience in the right way. You're very, very welcome, Ari Philly. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Well, perhaps you might tell me a little bit about uh, the Z-Link in terms of how did you come to set the Z-Link up and what were you doing prior to getting up and running? Um, so I started it when I was, I started it a year and a half ago. So in May, 2020, I was doing the, the, the third year of my undergrad at that point. So I was uh, very much like full-time at university, but it was during the peak of the lockdown in uh, Greece. So I'm from Greece. And at that point I had just gone back home due to COVID from studying in the UK. So, you know, everything was remote, everything was online. So it was easier to kind of dive into all the projects I had been putting off and Mm -hmm. finally kind of get some time. So I had had the idea from, I think like six months before I launched, uh, when I was at university still, and I was working in social media marketing freelance and also at a couple of different companies in Scotland where I lived. So I had been in the social media marketing industry for a couple of years already. I started quite young when I was around like 14, kind of doing my own thing. And then professionally, quote unquote, when I was like 17 or so. So yeah, I had the idea back then and I just realized that wherever I was working in a social media marketing capacity, there was always the problem that they, it was usually a company that would hire me because they were like, okay, you're young, you have social media experience. We need someone young to basically show us how to reach fellow young people. Yeah. So I kind of noticed that was a pattern. And then I started seeing articles arising about like Gen Z marketing is in the rise and companies are trying to figure out how to reach this generation. So I kind of started doing some research to see if anyone was dealing with that problem. And I saw that no one was addressing it in the social media niche. There were just Mm -hmm. maybe one or two big general marketing agencies specializing in Gen Z, but also in a lot of offline marketing and web design. So a lot more general. And to me, I just thought, you know, social media is the biggest primary channel where you would try to reach Gen Z and no Mm -hmm. one is specializing in that yet. So that is an opportunity. And I was just very excited about the idea when I first thought about it, because I was like, this seems so intuitive. There's so much demand. And all of my research was just confirming that. So uh, I just started working on it uh, by myself. I didn't have any prior entrepreneurship experience. I had taken a couple of courses just from Mm -hmm. general interest, but that was it. I had no no funding or anything at that point. Yeah. And did you always know, kind of have that sense, you always wanted to do something yourself? Because as you kind of alluded to, you said you 
kind of started on this path from a pretty early age. Um, yeah. And this sounds like something was done pretty much straight out of the university. So was it always a path that you were going to go down and, and as opposed to looking at starting to work from a kind of corporate level at all? Absolutely not, actually. I was, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I remember telling my friends that I would maybe like to work at a startup or go corporate first, but I definitely can't see myself starting my own thing. Yeah. Um, and one thing about me is that like, I'm a very curious person. I really love learning stuff and just like exploring different topics whenever I have free time. And yeah. I was among those random topics that I decided to explore, entrepreneurship was one of them. And I always liked learning about it, although I had never thought of myself as like someone who could be a founder or get into entrepreneurship. I just yeah. thought it was more interesting to see how the industry works. But then when I had that idea, I started taking a couple of courses and like watching videos and basically how do you start a business? And I found the, the process very exciting and very appealing. Mm -hmm. So then... I'm very open to new things. And I was like, you know what? Nothing bad can come out of it. Might as well give it a shot. But up until that point, I thought that getting a corporate job out of university would be like the best thing ever. And now it's yeah. something that I truly probably never want. <laughs> and, yeah. and tell me, like, did it all just come naturally? Or are you kind of planning what the company was going to be about? How is it going to work? What the strategy was? Or did you just go out and win a couple of clients and you're like, like this is it we're up and running kind of what 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 happened yeah so I was still full-time in university which by the way I am still now um oh, wow. <laughs> I'm doing a master's right now full-time in London so like this has always been uh kind of there alongside my business but I was taking a lot of time trying to define like every term of how the business was going to be more time mm -hmm. than needed not really following a very lean startup approach even though I knew that it would probably be better but it was a point where, you know, I spent like three months trying to come up with a name or like design the website uh, as best as yeah. I could. And I hadn't really thought about all the details of how it would work. And actually the details started getting more defined as I started working with our first gotcha. clients. And I saw what the demand was like and what, like how much money companies were willing to spend on such services. It was such a new thing to me that I was just kind of improvising at first, basically, until I saw, until I just like learned and adapted on the way. Yeah. And in terms of kind of like who the, those first clients were, like who were they and how did you kind of pitch your services into them? So actually, we've kind of been lucky in the way that ever since I launched, we got some initial press on Business Insider and a couple of other publications. Because, oh, awesome. Yeah, it was because we were basically addressing this problem that people were like, oh yeah, this makes mm -hmm. sense, like this is cool. So we got some coverage in the first couple of months and that made our clients start coming to us without us needing to do any outreach. Gotcha. And they say us, but like for the first six months, it was just me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So it was this but thing so, that people were- Let's go get name bound. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, entrepreneurship things. Yeah. But yeah, for the first couple of months, clients were just approaching us. We didn't really need to do much pitching because yeah. they were like, okay, finally, we want to market to Gen Z. So can you just take this on? <laughs> and, so that was and, kind of uh, lucky. And what kind of position were they coming from? Were they like, could you just tell us how to use TikTok? Or were they like actually 
wanting to kind of get into the depth of it and understand kind of the psychology and how you work it like what 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 angle were they coming from i suppose very varied so we offer services that include a strategy development where we just create a strategy plan for the client outlining exactly how they would manage their social media and their campaigns and content to be gen z targeted and succeed And we also have our main service, which is like uh, monthly management and content creation, which is where mm-hmm. they outsource everything to us and we just market to Gen Z for them. Gotcha. Um, but with a focus always on organic social. And the main thing that we were getting at first was for content creation. Like people gotcha. just want someone to design their content and their tone of voice and maybe make some TikToks, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was definitely the, the thing that was getting the most demand. That's where most people were coming from. And how are you managing that? As you've alluded to for six months, it's, it's just <laughs> you. It's not as if you don't have other things on your, on your plate, i.e. university. So are you using kind of freelancers or are you just working all hours of the day? How are you managing uh, all, all, all of these elements? I am very, I'd say passionate about efficient processes. <laughs> so like, I believe in working smart. Like I don't think your work should be taking a hundred percent of your time, if mm-hmm. you're not popular opinion in the entrepreneurship world. But I was from the very beginning trying to make every process as maybe automated as possible and gotcha. as efficient as possible. But when it was just me and we had no budget to get any freelancers or anything, because also my first clients were like with very low budgets, they were mostly startups. I just tried to do everything myself basically alongside university and it worked well for a couple of months, but then it got to the point where we had enough clients that I could start outsourcing basically everything. And now there's like 17 people in the team. So it's a stage where I can finally focus on more strategic management stuff other than having to do the content creation myself mm. and everything. But you know, at the beginning, it's just a bit more chaotic until you yeah. get to the point where you can optimize it. And I suppose uh, in in a situation whereby you're doing everything yourself at the beginning, at least it becomes easier to teach people or onboard or identify the right type of talent who can do those tasks because you've done it yourself. Yeah. And well, I suppose going into that one to 17, how did that happen? And who were the kind of first couple of people you started to bring in into to the Z-Link to help you kind of scale and take advantage of these opportunities that were coming in? Yeah, so the first people were people that I already knew or had already worked with and that were freelancing in social media or wanted Mm -hmm. to start something like that and that I trusted their skills and, you know, going from doing everything yourself to slowly giving up control of things as a founder (laughs) in general is kind of like a tricky line of thread. So I started off with people that I was very absolutely confident in. And then kind of started expanding also to new talent that I found and looking more actively for people around the world that could join our team. And from probably like the first three months, we started getting a lot of DMs from Gen Zers that were like, I want to join your team. I'm a designer, like a copywriter. So I had a database of people whose skills I knew and I had their portfolios and everything and could always choose from. When it's a social media business, it's easy to know how good someone will be for your team basically based on their portfolio so it's kind of very straightforward and would you say if when you talk about the portfolio and you talk about them dming you are you do you feel like instagram is the center where everyone kind of connects and messages and, and and discovers each other and then is that true or not and then secondly when you're analyzing a portfolio 
what kind of content are you analyzing and where does it normally live from a Gen Z perspective? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the second one is a really good question. Um, but I'll, I'll start with the first one. So about Instagram, I'd say it's maybe like 50% of the okay. where you connect. The other 50% for me and probably the most beneficial platform for my career has been Twitter. Twitter is the one where I'm most active and also have like the largest following and where most yeah. of our clients came from. And mm -hmm. on Twitter, it's a lot easier to establish a good personal brand and get exposure uh, yeah. over Instagram. So I'm a big believer in like the startup Twitter world to find the right people and the right clients. Mm -hmm. And then for the second question, uh, you asked how I review portfolios, like what I look for. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to design, it's a very subjective and kind of hard to explain process because Gen okay. Z type of design is just kind of something that clicks with you as a Gen Zer and something that has a, a modern aesthetic that is super hard to explain every time I try. But basically, I was looking for people that I could tell just get it. You know, I didn't, mm -hmm. I wouldn't need to explain to them how to make the aesthetic of a brand better. Um, I could see from their portfolio that they were being innovative in their designs and understanding current design trends and just uh, adapting those to the brand they were creating content for. Someone who could have variety in their style, but also definitely jump on current design trends and make those work for us very well. That was a yeah. big plus. In terms of kind of like, uh, obviously it comes down to a huge subjective nature in terms of analyzing or seeing do they get the brief are they able to to talk into that audience is it going through their social channels or do gen zers use things like dribble behance those kind of classic areas where people used to put their kind of design type work or is it going in and, and looking and seeing what they're putting on their website instagram tiktok wherever it might be where where are you kind of seeing the content being housed it's both but the place where if I, if I find someone first without them reaching out and sending me their portfolio and it's a designer, it's usually Instagram, sometimes Twitter, yeah. but then most of them end up sending me like a website or a dribble, as you say, and yeah. that's like, we, we use those. <laughs> and I suppose as you've kind of scaled the team and the network that you work with, that obviously gives kind of operational challenges, uh, particularly mm -hmm. when you've got multiple clients, there's invoicing, both then the freelancers, how do you manage that? Do you use different tools to stay on top of it? Or is that just an absolute headache? It is a headache. It's like my least favorite part about yeah. things, but I'm also not yet a hundred percent ready to completely outsource all of that. So for now I'm just mm -hmm. using tools that can help me automate it. We're a fully remote team and everyone is spread around the world. I'm in the UK right now, but a lot of my team is in the US. So for yep. payment, uh, I typically use something like TransferWise and for invoicing, yep. Right now I'm using Starling Bank because like basically banks that are like uh, startup friendly and they have a lot of tools yeah. that are implemented in their business banking that you can yeah. just use and they work uh, in an automated way are the best. But also there are many tools that are like supposedly targeting founders, but they're way too expensive for any new business to use. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you just trying to find the most effective way. Yeah, um, but I think clearly what you're finding are there are a couple of essential ones that you kind of need to get your hands around if you want to start scaling your business, make payments, raise invoices. So it's, yeah. it's important to probably understand where you can find and leverage them, where there's kind of forward thinking kind of banking apps mm -hmm. like, like yeah, starting. Definitely. In terms of kind of then you then identifying 
new uh, opportunities as as an agency vis-a-vis working on your current kind of portfolio how do you manage the the two do you kind of split a 50 50 or or how do you do you kind of look through that it, we're still at that lucky phase where the there isn't the need for too many like sales and outreach as i said before like this is still happening yeah. it's a lucky industry <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like it's, I'd say 80% is responding to requests that we already get every week, either on my personal social media or on the brands or through our website. And then mm-hmm. 20% is going out there. And maybe if I see a new brand that I feel like we could really work with uh, and yeah. it's gender targeted and like they wouldn't, like a startup comes up, you know, that I'm like, I know we could work great together. Like maybe I'll reach out and tell them what we yeah. do. And, uh, a lot gotcha. of meetings come around that way. So that works too. And then I suppose just going back to kind of the day-to-day business side of things, obviously with agency type work where it's, where it's clients, it can come in in different lumps, amounts, lengths of times. How do you manage like as a new, relative new founder, things like cash flow and forecasting? Is that just an ongoing learning experience or how have you found that? Yes, definitely an ongoing learning experience. Just having people around me that are finance savvy <laughs> is the best uh, <laughs> I can do because I, I'm not like I'm the I'm not a very quantitative person in the way that I really don't enjoy like going through the these financial processes myself. You know, it's the things that you know I can learn myself, but I just it's a headache to put in the time to do it. Getting help from people that are experts in this is always very helpful. And then, um, because as you said, these services quite like vary from client to client. I also try from a more operational perspective to prioritize projects that are retainer projects or gotcha. projects with clients that I know are not very unstable because we often mm. get people come around that have a tiny budget and they're like, we might want to work for like a month or more, or we just really don't know. And it's more of a red flag when they really have no idea what their plans are for marketing rather than more established companies or startups that have just raised some money and know that they want to invest and for how long so that we also know what to expect rather than it being completely open-ended. And I suppose then looking kind of further ahead, are you looking at different ways to scale it either organically continue build in your own way or are you looking at potentially funding opportunities which would allow you to do it on a bigger scale have you, have you thought mm-hmm. about how you'd like to to go from that perspective yeah so i'm thinking about that right now and uh looking forward to finishing my master's so i can actually <laughs> focus full-time on this i'm very open to opportunities because i don't know if i mean generally agencies are not the type of business that vcs fund like ever it's very rare Mm. for them to fund an agency because it's not like the nature of a business that tends to to start raising vc money but if someone came along and was like you know this is promising we would like potentially to invest i would maybe look at it but for now i think there are many ways for us to scale in the way that we are already doing it because it's a quite a high margin uh, industry so whenever you get new clients you scale mm-hmm. almost immediately if you get like a couple of big clients it's very easy yeah. to reallocate the money that you're getting to scale the company I, I have in my mind a plan of how that would work and i just now need to actually have my full time to invest in this so that i can yeah. set up processes that i know then will work for the company and i suppose just talking into that both for yourself and for your clients how do you 
analyze and get analytics to show kind of traction or success like where are you what are the kind of key metrics that you track as a business to say yeah we're going in the right direction and then also secondly to that what are the key metrics that you're giving back to your clients to show look we've made a pretty big impact here so with our clients we do monthly analytics reports um using just you know many of those analytics tools for social media that exist and we try to include all of kpis for each social media platform that most makes sense to define mm -hmm. growth so rather than i mean we also look at things like follower numbers and stuff like that but things like engagement rates are a lot more important yeah. because they show mm -hmm. that you're building a strong community. It's easy to grow followers by running like a paid ad, but it doesn't mean that your brand is getting more traction, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So we try to define the KPIs that are most meaningful and uh, use those. And uh, these are pretty much the same across every brand. So looking at it every month and also commenting on those analytics so the client can understand why something might be going down or up or why something went more viral than anything else mm -hmm. uh, is how we make sure that they also understand the numbers and know what they mean because that's really important. And then I suppose you as a business, what are the kind of key numbers you look at to say, yeah, we're moving in the right direction? Probably just recurring MRR yeah. is one. <laughs> it's and, a key. Uh, <laughs> and uh, also the numbers of retainer contracts that we're signing. Yeah. But these are more long-term analytics rather than yep. something that you can look at every two weeks but looking at the big picture works better but however because we get also a lot of strategy projects that are maybe one-off or consulting projects it means that recurring mrr is not always definitive of how you're growing so you always need to be looking at the types of projects that you're signing and uh, maybe where they're coming from what types of mm -hmm. clients you're getting so we know that from the in the last six months, we've started receiving a lot of requests from much bigger clients, like more established corporations and organizations. Mm -hmm. So that's usually a sign that uh, we're heading. <laughs> in and in terms of kind of like, I suppose, when you were getting up and started and obviously continues to be really important, but actually your website and your platform kind of showcasing exactly what you do and what, what how you, you talk into your niche um, is super important. Uh, has that been something you've always wanted to look after in terms of that website platform? Was it something that you've started to let other people come in on and, and get involved with? So far, that has been just me for that reason that I feel like it's it would take a lot of training to have someone work on our brand because gotcha. for now everything is just in my head. And <laughs> when, uh, you know, like when someone joins the team and becomes an account manager of a client, they have a very detailed brand brief and strategy and everything that they can just study in a couple of days and be up to date. And I haven't yet taken the time to do that for us so that someone can truly work on that um, to a full extent, but it's definitely in my plans. Yeah. Okay. Well, final question for me going into those plans, you've mm -hmm. finished your master's finally, and you're full time cracking into the, the Z link. What is it you're looking to then change over the next six, next, those next six months to, to take the Z link up to the next level? One thing is that I want to invest in having a couple of people in the team doing specifically just sales and outreach. There is a lot of potential out there and a lot of demand. And I know that every time I happen to reach out to a company, like 90% of the time they want to book a meeting. So I know it's mm -hmm. doable. So that's the first step. And then I just 
want to optimize the processes of how we function a bit more. So conclude on which tools I want to be using company-wide because now from yeah. client to client, sometimes some things vary. So I want to establish like a more universal company system, if that makes sense, makes everything more efficient. But sales is definitely the first thing. And uh, after that, I think it's quite straightforward. Also, mm -hmm. you make it a little sense so easier for me. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Well, yeah. thank you so much for, for coming on and chatting to us today. And so impressive hearing uh, from an early age, you just want to get out there and, and make an impact and, and really start to own your craft. Um, and it's lovely to hear someone just really sure of what they want to do and start to build their own business and, and get out there. So like massive respect for that and best of luck with it as well. Uh, good luck finishing the Masters as well and uh, look forward to seeing Zed link us from strength to strength. Of course. Great talking to you as well. Thanks. Mm -hmm.